Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Drew Smith. As the CEO and founder for Attributa, Drew is passionate about helping B2B organizations solve complex marketing attribution challenges. With a broad range of marketing experience, including event management, partner marketing, web marketing, email marketing, and most recently, marketing and revenue operations, Drew understands the complex challenges that CMOs face when trying to tie disparate channels into a cohesive attribution story. Drew, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. Thanks for having me, Brandy. I am excited to have you here on the couch, um, and I like to break the ice with a little woo moment that I call buzzword banishment. So tell me, what buzzword would you like to get rid of forever? Uh, this is a tough one because um, there's so many, honestly, but I will probably go with Oh, if I have to pick one, it's probably going to be synergy or synergies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is one that uh, I definitely agree with you. And I have even seen people throw in synergistic, which I'm oh, not even wow. quite sure what's meant by that. But, you know, it, it conjures up. Um, I always get visions of like witches and spells with that word. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's one of those where my brain goes. But tell me, why do you hate the word synergy? Uh, honestly, I think it just it's 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 so meaningless most of the way that it's used. I feel like people need to add more copy to something, and then they so they say, "Hey, put in drives synergies," um, and it's just it it doesn't mean anything, and and so. Uh, I think that the word itself is fine, but it's just the way that people use it and the usage of the word, it's lost all meaning. It's just completely meaningless at this point. Yeah, it, it's right up there with, you know, everything drives productivity. Um, and then we're going to get the synergies. Uh, and it is one of those bud, buzzword soups uh, that goes into marketing copies. So mm -hmm. I can promise that we won't talk about any form of synergies today. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Love it. Awesome. So now that we've gotten that off our chest, tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? Yeah. Uh, so uh, why I'm here today is uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about marketing attribution. Uh, I'd like to talk about, uh, is it is it right for you? Is it something that you should care about? And um, also kind of dispel some of the, the, the rumors around it, because uh, there's a lot of rumors about uh, marketing attribution, uh, and some of them are true, some of them are not true. And so uh, I think we can kind of dispel some of those rumors and get rid of some of those those bad takes and get get into what it what it really can and cannot do. 
I love it. I was going to say, we've uh, talked about attribution on the couch a few times, and I even think that that word's been banished a couple times. Uh, <laughs> it's in the list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's on the list at least once or twice. But, um, you know, I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus. It gives us purpose. And most important, it gives our audience an understanding of what they should expect from our discussion today. So tell me, what are your best hopes for our talk? What would you like people to take away from the discussion? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the most important thing that people can take away from this discussion today is, is attribution something that I should care about? Or is it something that that I don't need to care about at based on where my current company currently is and the type of go-to-market that we have, we can help folks understand if, if attribution is something they should, they should be interested in or if it's something that's like three years down the road or will never be on their roadmap. Awesome. Well, I will start with uh, my first question is really around where the problem comes from. So I know the big arguments, the two big arguments that I hear with attribution as to why people are against it is one, they say it creates friction uh, because everyone is trying to take credit. And so attribution becomes that mechanism for you know sales and marketing and everybody to fight over who gets credit. And then the second thing is that it actually never takes into account the big picture of all of the things that actually drive revenue and you know overstate certain channels because it's like, oh, everything gets funneled through the website. So it looks like the website is, you know, the end all to be all when there's all these other things that got them there. So yep. I'd like to, you know, hear your take on the naysayers uh, in terms of why do you believe? I mean, obviously, you've got a whole company behind attribution. So I know that you believe in it. So give me your perspective there. Yeah, absolutely. So the the first point that you mentioned, which is that it creates friction and uh, creates kind of this competitive environment between marketing and sales and, and our other parts of the revenue uh, process. Uh, I, I would say that 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 assessment is absolutely true. That attribution can do that, uh, but. Uh, I am on record as having said multiple times and have even created a meme about this is that if you are using attribution to take credit, you're using it wrong. That is, that is the wrong usage of the tool. So we don't blame the tool when it's used incorrectly. We blame the user that's using it incorrectly. And in this case, attribution is being used incorrectly if it's creating that, that conflict between revenue teams. As a matter of fact, when used correctly, it doesn't create any conflict at all. All it does is it tells a story about how an opportunity or a deal came to be. And there are chapters in that story. And some chapters are told from the perspective of the marketing department. And some chapters are told from the perspective of the sales department. And some chapters are told from the perspective of the SDR department. And some chapters, if we're talking about things like expansion opportunities, might even be told by the customer success team or an account management team. But it's just chapters in a novel. You're not, when, when, when you read a book and you, or watch a movie or whatever, you don't, you don't say, hey, well, chapter 17, that's, that's all I need to know about this book is chapter 17. <laughs> Nobody ever says that. 
You, you don't read the whole book and then go back and pick the chapters you like best. Every chapter led to the conclusion of that book. Now, some chapters had more stuff going on than others, right? But every single chapter moved the plot forward in some way, shape, or form. And that's when attribution is used correctly, that's all attribution is doing is telling that story with different chapters along the way. I really, really like that analogy. I mean, I love a good analogy no matter what, but I think that is a great way to think about it. And I think where one of the problems come in is when most people talk about attribution, they are talking about the first and the last chapter. Um, right. And it's like you got, you know, the opening and the conclusion, and it is as if all those things in the middle don't matter. And, uh, Although I can say in college, I did read a few books that way. Uh, it is not what I would recommend in general. So how do we, what does good look like? Um, so we talked about what the problems are. You know, I like to set the stage of when companies get this right and are able to, you know, use attribution effectively, what does that really look like for them? Uh, it's, it, well, so first off, it's different for every type of organization that you work with. Um, and this is kind of one of the things that that I'm, I hope is a big major takeaway from this episode is um, first touch attribution works perfectly fine for some organizations. They don't need any more than that. Last touch attribution works perfectly fine for some organizations. They don't need more than that. First and last touch works perfectly fine for some organizations. Some organizations need the full multi-touch. They need to know what happened in chapter 17 and chapter 23 and chapter 34. Um, but not every organization needs that. Uh, here's a dirty little secret. It's actually not a secret, but we're going to call it that. Um, the attribution company, Attributa, we don't do complex attribution. Uh-oh, doesn't that mean I'm not eating my own dog food? No, it doesn't. <laughs> because we're super small. I have, it's me and three other people right now. So I sell everything. I do all of our marketing. I know where every lead and every opportunity comes from. I don't need complex attribution because my business isn't complex. The more complex your business is, the more complex your go-to-market is, the more people that touch a lead or prospect or opportunity through that process, that's when you need to start understanding more of those chapters. My book only has three chapters most of the time. <laughs> My book doesn't have that many chapters, really, honestly, it doesn't. But the more chapters your book has, the more of those you need to have visibility into inside your data. So there is no one answer to what does good look like because every organization has different needs. Now, at the most complex level, let's, let's talk about the most complex level because, because it's easy to understand when you just need simple. Simple is easy, complex is difficult. So let's talk about, about uh, complex. At the most complex level, what organizations need is they need visibility into the entire, every single chapter in that book. And that book is gonna have upwards of 100 or more chapters in it. And the chapter should contain a lot of different information. Each chapter should contain um, information about where where that and, and we're going to kind of break away from the analogy for a moment but where that engagement happened was that on the website was it through something else like an in-person event was it through a phone call from somebody where did that engagement happen what was that engagement so was it was it a phone call was it a 
form fill? Was it just a web page visit? Was it a trick or treater at a trade show booth that came and you know opened up their bag, said, "Scan my badge, give me your tchotchke," or was it somebody that had a more meaningful conversation with us at the trade show booth? So, what was that engagement? It should include when that engagement happened, um, both in terms of date and time but also where in the buying journey that happened. Did that happen at the MQL stage, at the SQL stage, at some significant opportunity stage? When did that happen? Um, it needs to tell you who did that action, who, who, was the, who was the main character for that chapter, right? Who was the person? Um, and then it also needs to include, depending on the needs of the business, it could include things like segmentation information, persona information, industry information, things like that, to just give you some more reporting flexibility and different ways of slicing and dicing the information. Um, that's really what it looks like um, at a very macro level. What good looks like is that you have all of these chapters and each chapter can have that much information in it about what each chapter is about and, and what, what happened. That's what good looks like. Uh, now, great, looks like being able to relate each chapter back to an opportunity and assign a dollar value to each chapter and a weighting behind each chapter. Uh, it also looks like uh, the ability to understand if how well that chapter helped move the, the plot forward. Did it, did it have a minor impact on the plot? Did it have a major impact on the plot? Uh, we also wanna know are there, we, from an outcome standpoint, we want to be able to understand if there are any chapters that, or if there's any types of chapters, uh, specific campaigns, specific channels, specific tactics that lead to negative outcomes as opposed to just positive outcomes. So good attribution doesn't just show us what works. It also shows us what doesn't work so that we can eliminate waste in our marketing spend. So that's, that's what good and great look like. I, I that I mean, there's so many things there because I, I love your last point in that attribution isn't just about seeing what works. Because I mean, obviously, anything that's working well, we want to do more of it. Anything that's not, we want to you know modify it or, or stop. And I see most people when they have any level of attribution, it is really identifying just where did the revenue come from? Like that seems to be the only question that is being asked. And I love your distinction between good and great, because I'd say for most organizations, even getting to what you defined as good feels like, you know, a utopia and this unicorn experience. But then even to think about what is great and really being able to have that visibility it almost feels like a fairy tale. And, you know, the argument there is, is even if it's possible, the level of effort to get there is greater than most people have capacity for, or at least that's what they believe. And so I'd love your, your take on one, if you agree that it is, you know, the level of effort to get there is significant. And then your perspective on why is that significance worth it? Yeah, um, so 
I think from my experience, and I've been doing this specifically with attribution for about six years, uh, is when I got my start with attribution, uh, I've seen over a hundred different organizations and, and seen where they're at when they start this journey. Most organizations are doing the foundational things already. And what they need is they need a little bit of tweaking to that foundation to be able to really turn it into what it needs to be. But most organizations are already using UTMs. UTMs are critical in attribution. Most organizations are already using them. Um, now, a lot of organizations I work with need some operational rigor around how they use UTMs, but, but they're using them. They need a little more consistency, but they're using them. Two, most organizations that, that I speak with already have some structure in place for uh, campaign tracking, uh, typically in their CRM, like in Salesforce. Um, and that campaign structure is really going to be one of the main foundations for how to start tracking each one of those individual chapters. That The, the architecture is already there and we may need to massage it a little bit and optimize it a little bit, but that architecture is already there. The foundation's there. So most organizations are much more ready than they think they are. Hmm. Um, so the effort doesn't necessarily become enormous and overwhelming through some massive operational overhaul and process overhaul. You don't have to do big overhauls to get ready for that, that utopian view. It's usually just some minor tweaking and optimization that happens there. Um, now, certainly there is effort that's required to, to even when you do get to the state where your, your operational processes are ready to go and your data is ready to go, there is some effort that's required to maintain that. I mean, it's no different than anything else. You, when you build something, you have to maintain it, right? When you buy a car, you have to take it in for oil changes and tire rotations and, you know, all sorts of different maintenance that you have to do. So there is maintenance, but the maintenance isn't that bad, particularly if you are keeping an eye on things and addressing things when they're small problems and not letting them turn into big problems. So the effort itself is really not as cumbersome and overwhelming as a lot of people think it is. Okay. Yeah. And so listening to you, I had a thought, I think where you've got a great point and that the foundations are there. I think the piece just in my experience that I've seen that is missing for some people is what you refer to as the operational rigor. Um, because I have seen even with UTMs, like some of the tracking, it's like some of it, you can tell you've got certain people that are on top of it. And then you see other things come through and, you know, you're just kind of scratching your head a little bit. That and then how technologies are connected, because that mm -hmm. is the other thing that I've also seen is that, I mean, you have your obvious things, like if you're doing display and search and all those things that, that UTMs are able to track, but then when you get to the campaign level and how things are flowing through different technologies and where that data is coming from, I think that's probably the place where people don't always have their house in order, so to speak that you would need to pair those things with those foundations in order to get the outcomes that you're talking about. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that operational rigor is, is 
usually the most important part of the attribution puzzle because if you don't if you don't execute things the same way every single time you will create uh, what I call data drift and data drift is where you have a set standard for what your data is supposed to look like that's your normalized data and then every time you execute something in a different way your data starts drifting away from what it's supposed to be, right? And you create that data drift. And the more data drift that you have, the less consistency you have in your data, and therefore the less usable your data is to actually be useful for attribution reporting. And that applies to whether you're doing uh, first touch or, or you know, last touch or multi-touch or self-reported or whatever. It, it doesn't matter what type of attribution you're doing. If you have a lot of data drift, you, you, you're going to have bad data and you're going to have bad results. So operational rigor is important for any level of attribution that you want to do, period. I agree completely. Uh, getting, you know, keeping your data house in order is something that you know, I always stress because with all the technologies and everything that we're trying to do, if the data is a mess, you're handcuffing yourself, essentially. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit and, and talk about some other things that I hear people asking, you know, questions I hear people asking, which is, you know, you have dark social and dark funnel and you know, you have things like communities that aren't tracked. And I mean, even, you know, we do this podcast, which, you know, people are like, where does that fit into attribution? You know, there's all these different things that we spend resources on, whether it's budget or, you know, human resources um, that arguably play big roles in these chapters, going back to our analogy, but we're not really able to track them in the process fully. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so what do you do about that? Like, do you just talk it up as it is what it is? Or, you know, how do you address that in, in the, the big picture? Yeah. So this is some of the, this is some of the, where we get into some of those rumors um, that I want to address about, about what attribution is capable of. So when we talk about things like dark funnel, dark social, things like podcasts, the general consensus out there is that attribution can't track these things. And I say, to an extent, that's accurate. To an extent, it's not accurate. So I've written an article about how podcasts can be tracked using uh, multi-touch attribution platforms. I've written an article about how some of the dark social things like likes, comments, and shares on LinkedIn can actually be turned into chapters in your book um, through multi-touch attribution tools. It is possible. Now, there are some blind spots. There are certainly some blind spots in there. Now, where, what I, the way that I respond to that is very simple. If you are an organization that has invested 50% of your marketing budget into a podcast, you have to have that tracking locked down. You have to. Otherwise, you're going to have a massive 50% gap in your attribution data, right? Now, if you are doing a podcast, now let's 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 also be very honest about podcasts. Um, we're on one together. Um, <laughs> podcasts are started for any number of reasons. Um, some of those reasons are marketing and trying to generate awareness and trying to 
create pipeline and, and branding and things of that nature. Some podcasts are started uh, as vanity projects. Um, and truly just to get somebody's personal profile enhanced in the marketplace. Neither one's right or wrong. They are what they are. Um, if you have a podcast that's a vanity project, I don't care if it can be tracked by attribution or not because right. it's a vanity project. We don't care about the results of it. It's vanity. Now, if you are doing a podcast for things like lead gen, demand gen, branding and awareness and things of that nature, then we should be able to try to find ways to track it. Um, an article that I wrote has a number of different methodologies to do that. Um, same thing with social. If you are going all in on LinkedIn and you are super just engaged on that platform and that is your primary marketing vehicle, you need to track that stuff. And there's certain ways that, that you may or may not be able to do that using multi-touch attribution tools. If you are dabbling in LinkedIn and it is, you know, maybe 2% of the chapters in your novel are gonna talk about LinkedIn. Is it a big deal if you, have a, if, if you have a gap there and you can't track every single action that's happening on LinkedIn? No, it's not. It's 2% of your marketing budget. It's 2% of your marketing attention. If there's some gaps in there, it's not going to cause an issue, a major issue with your marketing attribution. So it's all dependent upon how big of a gap you have to fill. In some cases, I know organizations that are super worried about tracking their podcast and they have one podcast episode a month and it's purely for vanity's sake. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares if you can track it, if that's the environment? So we have to be realistic about what should and should not be tracked. And we also have to be realistic about the fact that you will never achieve 100% data fidelity. I don't care what type of attribution you're using, you will never achieve 100% data fidelity. What matters is that you, one, know what your data fidelity is. Am I at 97%? Am I at 57%? And two, you focus on the important things and you get the important things right. If you're getting the important things right and you're able to track the areas where you're spending a lot of time, energy and resources and money, then your attribution is going to be fine, even if you have a couple of gaps um, in spaces like communities and, and other places where, where attribution really, truly cannot be tracked, right? Like communities, that is nearly impossible to track for any attribution system other than just, you know, the where did you hear about us question, right? right. Um, that's really the only way to track that. Um, but if that's 1% of your deals come from that, who cares? <laughs> I like to use a I like to use a flag system. It's it's really simple. I like to use a flag system about how much I should care about something. A red flag means something's broken and I should care about it immediately. It's a high priority. An orange flag means it's it's the next priority once I get the red flags figured out. A yellow flag means eh, who cares? It's not a big deal. It's a it's low on the priority list. It's very low on how important it is, probably because it's low volume. And then green flags are good. We like those. Green flags means everything's working properly. I don't have any data gaps. So if you use a flag system like that, it helps you understand what are the things that you should be focusing on and what are the things that are just like, if I have some extra time and I don't know what to do with it, like I'm the only one working between Christmas and New Year's, 
then I'll deal with my yellow flags then. Um, I like that as a way, because I, I think my biggest takeaway from what you just said is we all have to think about what matters and just let the rest go and put your effort into being able to track and you know have a part of your attribution, the things that you care about most that are most important to your marketing strategy. And some of those other things that may be harder to get at we just let that go. Um, and, you know, over time, we may get to them. Over time, they may stay irrelevant. But it is a, a little bit of comfort in just accepting that not everything's going to be in there. Um, and sometimes it just is important to just hear that because I do think that we can often be perfectionist or have this kind of all or nothing mentality of like either we're going to do it and we're going to do it all or we shouldn't touch it. Um, and so my last question for you is, I know you touched on rumors, is there, or misconceptions, um, are there any other key ones that you want to make sure to dispel um, before we get to the end? Yeah. Um, so I think the, the two big ones that I already kind of touched on are podcasts uh, that, that, you know, attribution tools can't track podcasts. That's, that's not accurate. You can track podcasts using attribution tools um, to, Things like likes, comments, and shares on LinkedIn cannot be tracked by attribution tools. They can. Um, it's it's a little bit more difficult to get there, which means which means you really have to determine, do I care? Um, but if you do care, it is possible to get there. Um, and the last one I think is just um, that there's there's kind of this misconception that you you can't. A lot of the detractors for like attribution platforms and tools will say that like, you know, just use self-reported attribution. Just have ask the question, how did you hear about us? And you'll get as much information as you as you need. And I don't think that that it's an either or proposition. It's not attribution software or how did you hear about us? It's the best environment is both because both have gaps, right? Like if you think about the how did you hear about us question, uh, if I ask you, you know, um, what did you have for lunch three weeks ago on Tuesday? You're not going to know the answer to that question. I don't know. I don't know what I had for lunch three weeks ago on Tuesday. <laughs> I have no clue. How did you hear about us is no different. The, the human brain is fallible. We don't have perfect recollection and perfect recall and perfect memories. And so we don't know. I, don't, I may not know exactly how I heard about somebody. I may say, hey, I heard about you on Revenue Rehab. <laughs> My episode hasn't even aired yet, so I don't know how you could have heard about <laughs> us on Revenue Rehab, right? So people are fallible. And so when people are fallible and they don't know how they heard about you, that's where the, the, the attribution tools can fill that gap because they're tracking engagements throughout somebody's history. And they, they will know where somebody heard about us. Um, Conversely, when you get somebody that came in and the attribution tool says they came from organic search, what's the thing that's missing? Well, why were you searching for us? Right? That's missing. That context is missing. And the how did you hear about us can provide that context uh, if their memory's right, uh, if they if they can recall properly. But that that's the ideal state when you put those two things together because both of them have gaps. And many of the gaps that are there for each one are filled by the other one. 
So they actually play really, really, really well together. They're not in conflict with one another. They play really, really well with one another. Um, so it's it's not that you do one or the other. Uh, ideally, if particularly the more complex your business is, right? The more right. complex your needs are for data. That's the ideal state is having both of them. It's not an it's not a it's not an either or. Um, yeah, and I think that is key. And and so often decision making criteria is do I do this or that, um, and, and that or replacing that or with an and is often the right answer because you know multiple things can coexist and can give you different insight as well. So I agree completely there because yeah, I know a lot of times. I mean, we see all the time like it would look like organic search is like our biggest driver. But if I look at what people are searching for, they're searching Tegrita. So it's like, clearly it's, you know, that's just the vehicle that they use to get to our website. Not that they actually found us that way. If you're searching our name, you, you know, you know who we are from something else. And so, right. you know, that question of how did you hear about us? It's like, oh, this was a referral from a client or, you know, someone recommended you in the community or, you know, all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I really love that as an and and not trying to make the decision between one method or another, but blending them together. Yeah. I mean, there's there's tons of power and information in uh, running a report that says, you know, organic search drove 25% of our deals. And from organic search, here's the context about what, where they heard about us in relation to that organic search before that organic search happened. That's super powerful information. And you can't get both pieces of that puzzle without both the, how did you hear about us and the attribution tool whether that's you know marketing automation tool or an actual attribution tool or whatever, like you have to have both to get to that that report. Yes. Well, talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. And so in traditional therapy, the therapist gives the client some homework, but here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on its head and ask you to give us some homework. So I always like our guests to take, you know, have a one thing takeaway. So if if people have, uh, you know, if what you've said has resonated with the audience and they recognize that attribution is worth it, where do you think they should start? What would be the, the first step? Yeah, so I, I would say that the first step should be to check your operational rigor. Uh, because if you have that operational rigor, you are ready to get started with, you know, attribution. If you don't have that operational rigor yet, then that's where you need to focus your attention. So I'm going to give two very highly actionable things that somebody can do to check their operational rigor. Number one, go into your CRM and run a report for leads created this year. We're almost at the end of the year. So you're going to get a whole year's worth of leads. I don't care what happened three years ago. I care about what's happening this year. So leads created this year. And then what I want you to do is I want you to group it by the lead source. And I want you to uh, hide every other detail. I just want to see the lead source. And here's what we're going to do. I want to know the number of individual values that you have in your lead source. And I want to know the percentage 
of leads created this year that don't have a lead source at all. Those two things will tell you about your operational rigor related to lead sources. Um, if you have about, if you have more than about 20 to 30 different lead sources, you don't have the operational rigor to, to get started. Uh, if you have more than a quarter of your database doesn't uh, that you've created this year doesn't have a lead source, that is a hole that you need to plug before you get started with attribution. Because you have that means you have a 25% data fidelity problem just with first touch attribution, which tells me that you probably have similar uh, data fidelity issues further down the funnel. Um, now, once we've done that, the next thing I want you to do is take that exact same report. I just want you to change the grouping, get rid of the lead source entirely. And what I want you to do is just put in the, whatever field you use to tell what stage in the funnel somebody's in right now today. I want you to put that field where you have the lead source. Again, no other details other than that. And I want to know what stage everybody that's been created this year, I want to know what stage they are in the, in the funnel. Now, couple things to keep in mind there. Number one, if you don't have a field to do this, you don't have operational rigor to get started with attribution because you don't know at any point in time where somebody's at in the funnel. So that's a problem. Number two, if that field is not a true representation of the exact stage somebody's in at the moment, you have a problem. Number three, if you have a whole bunch of people that don't have a value in that field, means we can't tell what stage they're in, they don't have a stage, you have a data rigor problem, an operational rigor problem. These two things right here, these two are like canaries in the coal mine. <laughs> if, you, if you are doing really good with these, then you're probably in a good shape to get started with attribution. If you are not doing good with these two things, that's where you need to focus is on that operational rigor right there. Get started making sure that you have consistency and operational rigor and then you can get started with attribution. And again, that's not just multi-touch attribution. I'm talking about first touch, last touch, anything like that. Because if you don't know what stage somebody's in, you don't know if it was the last touch. Yeah. You can't tell that. So those two things, super actionable, won't take you more than 10, 15 minutes. And you can tell whether or not you have the indicators that, that, that if you have the right operational rigor or not. I love that. Uh, anytime a good pivot table is an action item, I think it's a win. Um, but that is a great place to start and gives you good data to have the conversation with your RevOps team or you know whoever is managing your systems to really go through and address cleaning up the data, making sure that you've got that operational rigor because yeah, all of the things, I mean, it ties to email marketing and you know, even how, where your sales teams are engaged, all of those things rely on good data and knowing like what's the right play to run at that time. And if you don't know where people are and where they came from, you can't, you know, it, it sort of handicaps everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. And and the the the, the one last thing that I want to talk about with with this is there's no better time to get started than right now. Um, I saw this this amazing image on LinkedIn and I totally reshared it uh, and repurposed it 
Um, and the, the, the image is uh, essentially a picture of like a tree, a tree growing and then sprouting fruit. And the image says, the day you plant the seed is not the day you, you get the fruit, or it is not the day you eat the fruit, which means if you want to be able to report on attribution data six months from now, you got to start today. Yeah. Because you won't have it the day you start on it. You have to plant that seed and let it grow before you get the fruit. So there's no better time to get started than today. Uh, which is always the best action item, especially this time of year as everyone is thinking about how do we make 2024, you know, the best year ever. Or, you know, in some cases I've seen people say uh, survive until 25, like they're expecting a hard 24. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you completely. And I think that is a great starting point. Well, Drew, I have enjoyed our discussion immensely, but that's our time for today. Um, but before we go, how can our audience stay connected with you and give us the, the shameless plug for Attributa? Because uh, I definitely would like to hear, you know, what the organization does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find us, uh, our website's attributa.io. Uh, we're on LinkedIn. You can either find me on LinkedIn, uh, Drew Smith, or you can find Attributa on LinkedIn as well. Uh, it's just LinkedIn at Attributa. Um, and then um, what we do is is uh, we do a lot of this exact type of work. Um, we we focus our primary focus is attribution, and so what we do is we help organizations develop that operational rigor. We help basically get them ready for whatever type of attribution is right for their organization. We'll help them determine what type of attribution is right for their organization, um, and so we'll help you focus on what matters to you and skip the stuff that, that doesn't matter for you. And then ultimately, once you're actually able to do attribution, uh, we have some services around uh, data analysis and um, data reporting and things like that, where uh, not only can we help you get make it so that you're able to do attribution, we'll also help you do the actual work of doing the reporting, the analysis, generating the insights, uh, things of that nature. Awesome. Well, we will make sure to link to both your LinkedIn and Attributa's website. Uh, so wherever you are listening or watching this podcast, make sure to click the links to connect with Drew. Um, Drew, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. And thanks everyone for joining us. I hope you have enjoyed my conversation with Drew. Until next time, I'll see you later. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.